What makes a thing or an action good? Today on the podcast, the boys discuss the principle of the integral good as outlined by St. Thomas Aquinas and expounded on by Father Chad Ripperger. They also speak their thoughts on the New York Times podcast, Caliphate, which looks at the mindset of people who join the Islamic State. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy Podcast, Episode 11. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. Currently, we are hanging out at Shea Penny, which is my house. Chris, you'll have to translate that for our American listeners. That means that we're living at Casa di Penny. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. <laughs> so, guys, uh, before we begin this podcast, let's uh, turn to our correspondents out in the field. First of all, let's turn to our correspondent, Matt. Who's going to tell us about the current weather? What's the weather like, Matt? It's it's disappointingly not cold. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. And now we turn to our other correspondent in the field discussing Aaron's effeminacy. Aaron, are you there? I'm still the pinnacle of effeminacy. Thank you. And also the pinnacle of... Uh, what was that word that not you... Not speaking used? my words right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I did put my ear up to the to my headphones. I did notice like, that. Because I, I was like... I was a reporter. It was windy. Okay, we're, we're not. Okay, no, no, we're starting. We're not doing this. Come, come. <laughs> um, and uh, just just to double check, uh, how are things going in Russia? Oh, still not consecrated. Still, yeah. still yeah. not consecrated. Still yeah. Gosh darn. Okay. Well, uh, before we actually hop right into the podcast. We want to do a couple of quick shout outs uh, to all of our great uh, followers on Facebook and subscribers to the podcast. Uh, we have listeners tuning in from Canada. Hooray! Hey. <laughs> but surprisingly, we have more people from the USA who are listening. Yay! Yay. Um, people from Australia, Switzerland, Denmark, Spain, the United Kingdom, Hong Kong. Pretty great. Spain. Italy. Kenya. Poland and Seychelles. Seychelles. Where's Seychelles? In the, in the water somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got to be by the bay shore anyway. Seychelles. Right? Seychelles, yeah. Seychelles, <laughs> by the bay shore? Get or is it seashore? <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, also huge thanks to people uh, like our good friend Brian in the USA and the person who will be known as GG. Yeah. Uh, GG. It's her nom de guerre, I guess. And, um, and Dan, the guy who inspired this entire podcast. Topic. Yeah, huge, huge thanks to Dan. Dan, from uh, also from the USA. So thanks for reaching out to us, man. Um, so before we hop in, I uh, wanted to discuss, first of all, so one of the things that Dan brought up to us was he suggested we listen to the 
Caliphate Podcast, which is a podcast that was produced uh, by Rukmini. Yeah, Rukmini Kalimaki. Yeah, from uh, New York Times, and it's all about essentially the establishment of the the attempted establishment of the Islamic State. And for the first time, me and Chris disagreed on something. I didn't really the first time. I didn't really like it. <laughs> I didn't really like it. And, and Chris, I loved. It. I well, I just adored this podcast. Well, I didn't listen to it. Tell me all about it. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, honestly, I don't want to give too much away. Like, I honestly... the first Okay, the first three episodes are like, I think everyone should listen to the first three or everyone. four episodes. Everyone. Yeah, it, it, right. it kind of tells about some Muslim guy who, who, his reasons for leaving Canada and going all the way to Syria to join the, join, join ISIS. And it was really interesting, his, just like his reasoning. And it really touches on a lot of Catholic, like... It would it would touch a Catholic's heart. You would see the reasoning. You would think like, like you like how they go out there, right? He, he's going yeah. out there and he's he's yeah. just doing something for real. He's very hot or cold. He's not lukewarm. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting because in the story, and again, not too many spoilers here, but it follows um, a little bit, it, not the whole time, um, but it follows the story of a of a guy who went and and left Canada, joined the Islamic State. And then decided this life is not for him. I need to escape. And it's, yeah, I mean, it kind of gets into the the headspace of, and I mean, that's really the whole point is getting into the headspace of why somebody wants to join ISIS. And like, I mean, this, this podcast is actually somewhat old. I mean, old in, in terms of when it was, when the last episode aired, it mm. aired June twenty. 2018, I think, was the last one. Was That's chapter cool. chapter ten. Well, wow. <laughs> Aaron just found out about Facebook a couple weeks ago. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, but they also uh, talk about just these, yeah, like the the different kind of ideologies that they that they take on. And one one real big thing, like that they were speaking about, is how. And it, and it has a lot of similarities to Christianity and obviously Catholicism uh, because of the fact that Muslims obviously believe that there is one God. But the problem is that when they th- believe that, they d- obviously it's not the same God as us. Let's cl- make that very clear. Um, but Aaron's yeah. book is propped up. Aaron's microphone is propped up on a book that would disagree with you, Chris. <laughs> it's currently uh, propped up by the Catechism of the Catholic Church, um, the New Catechism. The sure norm for the faith. Yeah. <laughs> no, and one thing I will say, I although I didn't listen to it, Aaron told me a little bit about it, and the yeah, that was that was actually the shocking thing to me. I could act people who actually believe in an ideological system, and in this case, a religion. It made sense to me. He believed it's all true. Mm-hmm. Western powers are over there destroying his brothers and sisters in the faith. And so he saw it as his mission. He has to go help them. Yeah. You know, it was, I'd, and I don't know if they're trying to make you sympathetic in this podcast to that point of view or what, but it, but it really brought to mind actually like the crusades. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Well, and he mentioned that. They, they still call Westerners crusaders. Crusaders, yeah. Mm. yeah they still look at us. They're the like only that. ones still talking about it. No one else really cares. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I mean, they they believe in a in a in a singular, you know, monotheistic 
deity. Um, they also believe that essentially anything that is not of Allah is not good, you know? So, like, there's, there's an, an essence, a renunciation of everything that is not God in their, in their eyes. Um, and then there's also this, essentially this belief of an us versus them, um, mm. that, like, yeah, you just have to attack. Like, they, they give this story of, uh, like the, is it the Keppa? I think that's what it's called. Oh, the Keppa. Yeah. yeah the, it, the, the, the black. Kebab, they walk around. Yeah. Yeah. The black thing in, uh, in Mecca. Yeah. Like, supposedly the prophet Muhammad went into the Keppa and it was filled with idols. And so they, he went in there and he just smashed all the idols that were in there. And so in essence, in the, the view of Islam and, and in particularly with ISIS, the idea is that anything that is not God is an idol. So the government, that's an idol. Any, uh, like Julie, she's an idol. Um, Good looking one. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. It's amazing. So the dangerous thing about this podcast or like Islam is that it's so, it's so close to Catholicism. In yeah. so well, a lot ways. of the early church fathers thought it was a Christian heresy. Like yeah. St. John Damascene talks about it that way. Really? Yeah. So and actually they that, seem to. That Islam was a Christian heresy. The first people to encounter it. Like, yeah. And I think there were some elements that were taken from the Proto-Evangelium of James. I remember reading about this back in the day when yeah. I was more into apologetics. So yeah, you go through the entire podcast and you think, oh, that's kind of similar, but there's always the perversion. Yeah. There's always um, a perversion of, of Christian yeah. truth. Like even down to like, like things like, you know, the, the Muslim world kind of views themselves similarly to a body, you know, and, but they, you know, kind of word it and like, mm -hmm. we're all a family. And so if one member of the family is hurting, the other family member should come and help. I mean, we would kind of look at that like the body of Christ, you know, if one yeah. part of the body is hurting, you know, the other feels it, you know. With very different ultimate goals though, right? I mean, a paradise of pure, you know, joy in God alone versus one of sensual delights. You know, we could get into probably too much, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a total, totally it's, different. It idea is fundamentally of, of, different, but you see, heaven. yeah, it's so interesting too. Like, I mean, when I think about heaven in regards to all of this, the idea that in the end, you essentially that you're looking for a place of, you know, if you're in particularly looking for a place of rest for yourself, you know, almost in a way you could say that's almost looking for pleasure too. Um, granted, we are all made to be happy. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas would make that clear that we were made for happiness. And, but mm -hmm. that is beatitude. That's eternal beatitude. That's being in the beatific vision. But I mean, I was thinking about St. Therese. What did St. Therese say, say, say? She said, I want to spend my heaven doing good on earth. Like she wants to die and still work. Do you get what I'm saying? Like there's no, there's no, mentality in her mind of like i wanna i wanna just go and have all of my desires fulfilled she doesn't care she's like i still i just want to save which even that though the fulfillment of all desire is a very catholic notion but it, yeah. it means something very different yeah anyway we're, i guess we're kind of strange yeah. even saint faustina though right like she wished to stay on earth and suffer here like until the end of time just to save souls that's yeah. not something you'd find in islam so no 
No. I do have a question though. It's called caliphate. Like, do they talk about? Isn't there some sort of caliph hidden out there? That like they didn't talk about ISIS that. is okay. I thought they've sworn allegiance to a particular man, but we don't really know who he is. Anyway, I guess that's something. You mean like oh oh? Well, well, I mean not not Muhammad. Like not, no no no. Like the caliph is a kind of their version oh. of like a pope. Oh really? And a ca- you can't really have a caliphate without a caliph. So okay, so they didn't really touch. Yeah, on they didn't that, even touch the that. Coolest? Yeah. So coming back to what we were talking about before with the the us versus them mentality within ISIS, I mean that that idea that anybody on the outside is an enemy is always a secret enemy. Like, and whether you are, and and the way that the the podcast ends, you know, you hear this person talking about the fact that. Even if you are a potential Muslim, you know, there's that possibility that you may convert later on down your life. That's a good thing. You know, maybe God is giving you that grace. But uh, Rukmini kept pushing and saying, but am I them? Like in your mind, who is the us? Who is the them? The us are the God-fearing hardcore Muslims that are following the Quran to the T. The them is anybody else. Yeah. I when when they were talking about that, I I couldn't help but think about the Blessed Mother, thinking that Our Lady is probably the biggest enemy of on their list, considering yeah. that she's the one that is doing a lot of converting. If you're looking at stories of conversions of people coming in to the Catholic faith from Islam, there's usually a Marian involvement in it. So in their mind, maybe they don't name it, but they Man. would. But the truth is, she'd be like mm. enemy number one because she's going in there and pulling them out of Islam. Yeah, but it is. It really. I mean, in in Shia Islam, they have those terms, right? Dar al Salam is the countries where Islam can be practiced safely, so the house of peace. Mm-hmm. But all the other countries outside of that, do you know what they're called? Dar al Harb, which means the house of war. Yeah. So I'll leave you with that to think yeah. about. Yeah, it's true. It's true, and that and that and then the podcast they really make that clear. But yeah, I coming back to the us versus them, there is almost a sense of that in at least in my experience among traditionalists too. Mm. That um, you may not be Catholic enough, you may not be traditional enough, you may not be Orthodox enough, you may, and and it can become almost a a place where you're shamed, you're you feel judged, you feel disregarded, um, even if you you know looked down upon because you have a ponytail. I was actually going to bring that up. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. The fact that like I would be pr- presumably judged because I have a Eastern Rite style ponytail, or my wife wears the penitential has had the penitential purple uh, hair color. Uh, you know, <laughs> nice save, man. Nice save. <laughs> Did it match the Lent purple or was yeah. It yeah, 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 Lent purple during Advent? No, it was. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. You know, the fact that that's there. I mean, I know we've talked about it before. Maybe we're we're beating a dead horse, but there is that sense of a us versus them. You know, and even people like. I feel bad for people like, I don't know if you've heard of Michael Gunger um, before. He's a Protestant, but I mean, they wrote a song um, called Us For Them. Um, And 
I mean, although I don't suggest listening to Gunger, I think they were trying to get at the fact that there there is that sense, especially among a lot of more hardline Christians, that almost that they are at war with with Christians who are weaker and and may not be as as further along or as faithful. It's a really tough line to follow because you have to you have to be holy, but you still can't just reject everyone. Yeah, um, I was just listening to Father Ripperger. Uh, the problem with trads that talk it's 60 minute talk it's an amazing talk if you go to the latin mass you should listen to it yeah we'll we'll include it in the show notes all right yeah cool. thanks chris um you're welcome yeah. <laughs> cool. right. well i didn't listen to it recently well, tell me about it i will tell you about it i was actually i was listening to it and this and the start it, it, it the talk started with that by doing well you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men and that really struck a chord with me and I just thought there was a lot there. And then I went and told my mom and she's like, but then there will be no more podcasts. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. thanks mom. But like, um, there's so many, yeah, there's a lot of things wrong with trads. And one of them is I find they don't do well and they don't put any, they instead just try to silence foolish men by yelling at them. I've done that even on this podcast. I apologize. But yeah, he, I forgive you. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, he's not yeah. apologizing to me. So, but the, uh, yeah. So and then he gets into Gnosticism and just saying like people who think that they have a, a good, a secret good that no one else has, and and frankly, that's that's what a lot of trads look like. Like that's what I look like too often, where I'm thinking like I know something you don't. I'm better than you. And it and it was really cool because Father Ripperger then gets in to say Gnostics usually are dragged through the mud with God and they fall into very like sick perversions in mm-hmm. just in the sixth and ninth commandment and he's yeah. saying that there's like in within the trads world it's an epidemic and he says yep. it might even be worse than in Novus Ordo which yep. I found shocking to hear and but I guess I could believe it so mm-hmm. and there's yeah yeah anyway so that's what yeah, he goes you, through you really have to examine your motivations right so uh, I mean sometimes it's hard talking to people about traditional aspects of Catholicism because they're just there's there's really not a lot of interest out there sometimes it, it just falls on Definitely. well they don't really they don't really want to hear about it yeah but the, the you, eyes glaze over they're just like oh interesting. but it doesn't mean you stop talking about it but it, no. you better not not be talking about it because you think oh I have this hidden knowledge and I don't want to share it with you anyway yeah yeah it's it's actually interesting though I mean um, we were talking about this a, a few weeks ago with regards to mystagogy, though, um, and the process of mystagogy because of the fact that, like, the earlier, the early church would withhold certain things from those who were not baptized mm. because their souls were not prepared to really adequately receive it. So mm. they wouldn't really re- start receiving the deep stuff of the faith until after they received the grace of the sacrament, which... I I would be interested to see what that would look like in in today's context. Would we ha- would we have as many dropouts out of the RCAA programs and out of all of that, or you know, would would there actually be legitimate like? How do, how do you square that though with Gnosticism? Like you're like how are you saying like we don't have something secret, but we're not going to tell you about it until you join the fold? Like how do you how do you not be Gnostic but do that? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because I. I coming back to that question of motivation right it's almost like it's almost like you know you can't be 
you can't receive, say, like a certain medication until you're a particular age and your body is able to to metabolize it or something. It's something to that same effect. Like, it's not that we're trying to withhold it from you. It's that we just know, like, you're not going to be able to understand it. But there are, I, I mean, there are some things. I think there's room for veiling and recognition of that some things are just holy. And we, you know, I, we've lost a lot of that sense in the modern liturgy. I mean there our, our senses are deficient and and if we just trust our senses in the liturgy you know we, we don't really see anything happen but when it was behind an iconostasis when it was behind a rood screen or some sort of curtain like you know it it, it really lends a sense of why well, there's something wonderful happening there it, it, I, I i think you have to balance between having everything explained and visible and and accessible to everybody and like but that can also just make things look banal and yeah you know just routine and it and there's and there's nothing ordinary happening in the canon of the mass yeah even during ordinary time <laughs> it's true it's true and the thing is too with gnosticism right i mean at least from what i've read and and whatnot it it would be things like you'd have to like go through these different like experiences and then like you have to kind of do these different spiritual tests yeah and it wasn't and, just that they hid knowledge from other people like they had some that that's what like they're rigorous, named after rigorous well not not just that i mean it was it was experiences totally extrinsic to yeah to yeah. the christian faith yeah yeah and and i think obviously with agnosticism there was also the impact of satanism like i think that there was there was movements of of the demonic in that mm. too that was revealing quote-unquote things i mean that's kind of the the this the the lie of satanism too is you get a certain sense of a secret knowledge or a you know, like even you, that know yeah. good from bad yeah and right like they said like the physical world was evil right and although it has fallen they kind of cut themselves off from it saying only the spiritual is good Oh, oh yeah. yeah, but Fun, even, but Father Ripperger talks about that Father too. Father Ripperger talks about that. Yeah, he says yeah. you. Uh, well, he just bashes a lot of traditional parents who just completely shelter their children from the world and don't let them have like neutrally moral like goods or anything just to shelter them. And then he just goes on to say that um, or oh, the isolationist points. Isolationist like, points. He goes on to say, "Don't leave the world because it's bad. Leave the world because it's good." Hmm. Which that kind of just plays into your intention, right? Like if you're yeah. leaving. You know, if you're not gonna go to Cracker Barrel because the chicken's amazing, does that make sense? Then yeah, don't just... don't go to Cracker Barrel in Lent. Wait for Easter. Wait for Easter. Yeah, yeah. And these are all <laughs> like these. Uh, most of them probably are neutral, but there are good natural goods, and we but we can get attached to them. So don't mm. leave it because you think all this stuff is evil. Leave it because well, in in some ways it can disorder, you know, different faculties of you, right? If you get attached to them, but they are natural goods, and that's why we give them up willingly, for to make a sacrifice and as penance and reparation. Yeah. Also, also too, I mean, coming coming back to <laughs> Carmelite spirituality, um, Saint John of the Cross, you know, I mean, with his way of the nada, right, the way of nothing, the the fact that you can even have some of the most beautiful goods in the entire world you may have a beautiful icon you might have a beautiful crucifix 
you may have the scriptures or a, a holy book or something if you're holding on to that possessively like it it has it's possessing you at that point essentially right um so i mean being able to to let that go in father ripperger's talk he does say that we have to get idea like we have to get detached from the idea of a healthy church you can't be obsessed about that right like if you know we trads want this good and sometimes we throw out our hospitality or like our cordial relations with priests just to try to get this good and we have to be detached like it's not going to be good life is a veil of tears so father yeah he he also I said this on Facebook. I'll say it right now. He does say at the end, tradition is that lay people were forbidden to publicly engage in theological debates unless they have the bishop's permission. So Father Steve, shout out, um, maybe you could ask the bishop for us and see how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, the the thing that we were talking about too with regards to that is that, you know, consider the historical context, right? When, when When that was said, right? First of all, lay people... Uh, back then were not generally literate um they were oh, they, they were not but it's, they were not um yeah, but it's just ironic because sometimes trads are the most untraditional people rarely but sometimes oh, you, you catch them in the like wait a minute yeah i mean yeah it's true but i mean it, it depends on what tradition you're kind of focusing on um yeah yeah considering that today like a lot of lay people are far more you know better formed um in comparison to clerics i mean it's a joke i mean a lot of them have received formation through the internet you know and they're better holier people than you know these people that spend seven or eight years in seminaries and houses of formation that's like i mean that's sad it's yeah. sad yeah, you know you that seminarians having to have different libraries one to show like the rectors and one to like that you actually want to read I remember a priest telling me he had to hide, I forget, a, a books by St. Thomas or somebody inside a copy of a book by Father Kung, Hans Kung. Hans Kung. Oh I think that goodness. was just an Opus Dei book. Opus, <laughs> Opus Dei is even too real for liberal seminaries. So yeah, pretty cool. That's terrible. Yeah, that's pretty that's, bad. That's insane. Yeah. I think I, we covered the intro stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did I did want to say, though... Um, you were you had mentioned the fact that trads drive more away, yeah, than retain. How, I mean, yeah, we suck. Um, yep. How do we fix that? I don't know. If I knew, I'd do it. It's really hard to know when you meet people who come and generally they're just really bad Catholics, and you want to like just say like, "Why are you doing this?" But like, you have to really hold your tongue in prudence. How to raise a man effeminacy we're effeminate like you have we have to stop being effeminate just get over things and be like we need to prudentially deal with this at the right time now is not the right time that would be my guess also more whiskey and social events is that that, that's that's fair i'm in yeah that's fair yeah it's fair yeah every first and third sundays holy angels paris st thomas ontario get your whiskey game on i did want to also say so uh, One personal struggle that many have is the extremism of traditional Catholics. They debate over socks and rubrics and are heavily judgmental towards those who don't fit in their bubble. When the debate of of, uh, Stephen Lewis at Franciscan University came up, this was the sort of complaint fired from the more 
moderate to progressive Catholic blogger sphere is, oh, look, here comes the trads on their high horse again. And I, I have to admit, like, while I understand the frustration with people like Michael Voris, who we all agree at this table that he should not have shared that crap from the actual book oh, right. on his blog. In the article, yeah. You know, like that was imprudent. And maybe perhaps, you know, some of his, some of their other journalism has been quite weak. I don't think he speaks for trads. And I mean, he's one voice and a, and a loud voice. I mean, he's got the biggest megaphone right now in, shall we say, in the trad world. But I don't think he is the only voice. And, and the idea that, you know, trads are super judgmental and, and all of that. I mean, anybody can come over to my house and have breakfast or whatever. Like, I'm not, we yeah, don't close the door to anybody. And I, I and mm. people just think you're judgmental because we have a, an objective good that we try to follow. So like, yeah. you know, like if you don't like certain musics, people just can't handle that. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Let's but, go back and talk though. Dan had talked about the scandal, the FUS scandal, and he just had asked about like clarification on that because he 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 put a connection between Marx, like shouldn't history students read Marx right. so they can accurately refute communism and the FUS scandal. And I'm not gonna lie, I've heard that argument and I'm getting really sick of it. Like there's Marx and bashing mary like i don't they're, they're totally different like, places. yeah people yeah. people do a little thought experiment like god exists and he has a mother and that is mary's mother it's not marx like you mary's can, mother Jesus sorry mother our blessed lord's mother yeah um it's it's so frustrating people need to get this like this isn't just something about communism you know what communism killed a lot of people 20 million and and mary or more and mary like but Mary, our Lord loves Mary more than he likes 20 million people. <laughs> so like, it's true. This book, it, I don't know people. I don't know why people can't see it. You don't mess with God's mom. Like what would someone, if if someone wrote this book about your mom, what would you do? So like, do you think God's not a person and he won't act like injustice? So anyway. even when it comes to things like Marx, like you should only be exposing yourself to that for a sufficient reason right i mean yeah. we we don't just read these things because we're curious um because because there are obviously inspired some pretty dangerous ideology down the road but what's the sufficient reason to be reading utter vile blasphemy like unless you're some high up theologian or priest who needs to review this stuff just to to censor it and say oh yeah we're gonna burn all the copies in the world good idea like, what is a sufficient reason? I don't care if you're There's taking time. a degree at Francisca. That's not a sufficiently grave reason yeah. to be exposing yourself to the vilest filth that's ever been printed. Or, or the, or the reason that you will be encountering this in the real world. Therefore, you have to be prepared for it. It's like, like I, I said this on, um, on one of my groups actually that I'm with on Facebook or on on Slack, and I said, like. You want to know what the best remedy is? Be properly formed mm -hmm. so that if you do ever hear this blasphemy, first of all, like you're able to make reparation for it and you can destroy that heresy. Yeah. You can destroy that crap. Yeah. You don't you don't just sit there and be like, oh, 
Why would you do that? You know, you I, th- know like, I think this is this is when a feminacy needs men need to like stop being like a lot of it. Men need to like stop being dicks. But another aspect of the feminacy is men need to start doing things, and men need yeah. to take this book and destroy it. Like, period. There's not there's nothing else. I don't like. Yeah. I have a hard time talking to people about this because it's so simple to me it's the answer is no yeah if the, if the argument is that you need to desensitize yourself to blasphemy i don't think you ever should be desensitized to blasphemy i mean yeah. even reading the life of saint Gemma, like when she, she wept blood yeah well and that, like if anyone dared to use our lord's name in vain i think i think she fainted at the dinner table yeah. i mean she was just yeah. so horrified by it yeah like, really his name is that holy that yeah that should be our reaction. Well, I'm not saying for everybody, but that's that should be the spiritual reaction. Yeah. Your angel's certainly not impressed listening to it. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I've been noticing that there is this kind of attitude among graduates at Franciscan. There's also the guys from the Catching Foxes podcast. Again, I love those guys. Luke and Gomer, call me. I, I'll be your friend. But... Yeah, like this idea that oh well, I can I can watch uh, Game of Thrones and I can like actually give talks in support of watching Game of Thrones and it's like first of all like it's exploiting the human person. There's I don't know if there's blasphemy because I don't know if in that universe the and, name of our Lord even existed. But I mean the fact that you would go to such lengths to exploit sexually the human person we'll get, in, we'll get into this in the principle of the integral good integral integral <laughs> good but, because, but you know what i mean like it's that same attitude that just drives me bananas yeah, that they're just sorry, yeah, yeah. that they just uh, they're just like oh yeah you could totally watch this stuff and it's like why do you allow that like yeah. why do you stand for that and and is it not scandalous well, to, as a catholic who works in a position and, and that's even different because not only can you not watch it you can't support it because the the actors actually had to be naked and thus like isn't that part of the like can yeah. you explain this yeah well i guess principle of the integral grid the book by father ripiger talks about this but he talks about this in a few different talks that there are certain acts that are not simulatable there are some that okay so killing somebody in a movie they don't actually kill somebody we all understand that it's not actually happening although if there was a movie where somebody was actually killed that would be evil. Yeah, like snuff. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, we all recognize that that is evil. But some things can't be simulated. Blasphemy is one of them. So just by simulating blasphemy, you actually commit it. Yeah. And then things like immodesty and, and you know, well. Game of Thrones. Know. Yeah, Game of Thrones. And that's the thing. I don't know how you separate that from yourself. So you know the person who created this book and then TV series is detracting from God's extrinsic glory by creating this filth. And you press the play button anyway, knowing that. And even if you skip the bad parts, like, why Why would you even... I, I, I just don't see how you can fragment your intellect. Feminism. To, yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, you have to just throw it out. It's, it's, like, it's like going and buying a Playboy... Saying, well, I I, I'm just, just going to read the bio- biographies yeah. of the girls. I'm yeah. not actually going to look. Yeah, it will just flip really quickly, you know? Yeah. Like fast forward through the bad parts. Yeah, and it's like, well, where does that money go? Yeah. You know, and where does that, that support go? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, whether you're watching on on Netflix, on Hulu, you know, on actual TV, like, those people are getting paid because you're watching. Yeah. 
know, there's there's a cut coming from that. Right. You know, um, now now I think it's important to note that I think everybody in general has perhaps limits and and doesn't actually follow this completely to the T. And I don't think all of us are on this podcast pretending to be perfect. Like I know, for example, like I noticed you said all of us. So yes, there's one of us pretending to be perfect. Okay. That's, that's me. <laughs> that's, but but you know what I mean? Like I mean we can say things like, well, we know that there are things that are bad happening in the Middle East or whatever, but yeah. we still buy gas for our cars, you know, knowing that Which is fairly remote. I yeah. mean we're not Saint yeah. Paul even gets into that in the Bible somewhere. Well, not somewhere in there. You start, like you can buy food. Don't worry about where the food came from. If it was if it was offered to idols or something like that, can someone someone better come in quick because I'm losing it. No, but I, yeah, I I think that is very remote participation in something that we. I, uh, hey, maybe the perfect thing to be would be to flee into the woods, build a cabin, carve your own icons into the wall, and make reparation for the rest of your life. But you know, there's a difference between filling up your car with gas and then. Going and buying a play, yeah, yeah, Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we wanted to talk about uh, because it was requested the principle of the integral good. I don't know how much time we have to really give to it, but well, there's uh, only so much we can say about it. Yeah, Father Ripiger wrote a book. I have it here in my hands called "The Principle of the Integral Good," which seems fairly applicable to this topic. Um, thanks, Father Ripperger. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dan. If you want to sponsor this podcast, Father Ripperger. Um, <laughs> so get, we get all the money from the uh, the actual like penanceware. That would oh, be amazing. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be right. yeah. yeah, hook us up. Yeah. So, I mean, why haven't, I, why haven't we actually introduced penanceware yeah. into this? Because I don't. I don't. Because just listening to this is penance. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. This is a penance. <laughs> so it 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 comes from well. It's debated on who actually wrote this, but Dionysius or pseudo-Dionysian principle. Um, who Dionysius was, you know, a disciple of one of the apostles. Anyway, this old work called the Divine Names, but the Middle Age, the Middle Ages had, a, I think, a better summary that we would understand a bit better. And essentially, the principle integral good says that the good is from an integral cause, evil from any defect whatsoever. So any moral badness in an act renders the entire thing bad and i guess we can look at i was when i was reading a little a bit around this i found an article by brother andre marie bam of the what is what is his podcast called bam bam yeah anyway good enough um but saint thomas sums up the components of a a moral act in in three different parts the first he says there's the object of the act, and that's, you know, the act itself. And then there's the intent, why that act is being done. The, the third one are the, is the circumstances, and that's, you know, who, where, uh, by what means. There are seven different Latin titles that are components of circumstances. But so object, intent, and circumstances. And if any, for an, a, a moral act to be good, one or all of those have to be good or indifferent, but at least one of them has to be good. If any single one of them is immoral, that renders the entire act bad. And then we can get into, I guess, different um, variations the, of that. The but, oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, killing, no, yeah. The killing Chris example? Let's yeah, exactly. So, like, we can play around with that. So, let's say Aaron kills Chris. They've been fantasizing about this for a while. <laughs> it's because I hate his ponytail. No, it's just so much easier to see what object, intent, and circumstances mean when you come up with an example like this. So, Aaron kills Chris. Let's think of situations where we could make that homicide, where we could make that self-defense, or we could make it... Uh, an heroic act. Do you know that if you kill him, a husband, you can't marry his wife? You have to get that dispensed from Rome. Uh-huh. Fun fact. Anyway, like the killer has to. Yeah, he can't marry the killed wife. The killed's wife. That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, so <laughs> th- this one's actually kind of, you know, people, especially given recent changes to the catechism, may have trouble wrapping their heads around this. But killing a person is not always intrinsically evil. So. But let's start with object. How could you make that homicide? So what would the act be? So you're, you're killing an innocent person, right? You're killing Chris. Poor Chris. What did he do? And the intent, you in, you intended to kill him. Like you knew you were going to murder him. And the circumstances, I guess, don't really matter at that point because, you know, we already have deficiencies in two out of the three. And you only need one. Yeah. But how could you make it self-defense? So you're still intending to kill him. How could How could you make that? Chris is coming at me. With yeah. his pony, he's going to choke me with his ponytail. He's going to choke you and your whole family with, with his, his ponytail. ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know he has, you know with certainty he's, he has the capacity. To, oh, he's done I watched it. him do it. All your neighbors down the street. Yeah. There's <laughs> just a trail <laughs> of bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and the so. Po- the ponytail murders. Your, your intent in that, so the, the object is you're still killing him, but your intent there is to defend your family. So yeah. you're saying killing someone is a morally neutral act? It can be. It can be. So in oh. the first one, you notice I said you were killing an innocent man. Right? Oh, okay. So, but in this one, you're killing a man. He's less innocent. Okay. <laughs> and and so in that case, yeah, you're defending your family. Actually, they may that may even be a heroic one too. Thank you. But um, yeah, and then you can can you make it heroic somehow? That yeah. situation. Uh, Chris, Chris is coming into the church and he's going oh, to desecrate yeah. the Blessed Sacrament. He's whipping his ponytail all around, and he's yeah, he's <laughs> no, he's it, and he's hey, he's I don't know, he's got a bomb strapped to him, and he's yeah. gonna like all these pilgrims showed up. It was the feast. Oh, it was the feast of the purification, and we're just about to do the procession, and you notice him walking in, and again the object there, you're gonna kill a man. Your intent is to save this entire group of pilgrims, this historic church site, you know, defend the the faith and the blessed sacrament. I mean, the circumstances again. So you you wouldn't like the way you kill him would probably also have to be justified as well. Like you're not going to if you can take him out with a bullet, you're not going to then go up to him and hack him to bits. That would be a strange thing to do. There's there's that concept of using equal force to Yeah. That's the, that's the Catholic ponytail yeah, but, for a ponytail, an eye for an eye. Yeah, but so you see how... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Terrible. Anyway. Yeah, so, but you see how you, you if you play with object, intent, and circumstances... I, yeah, you, you know can... an example I like, too, is the um, the guy... Okay, so if you commit suicide by blowing yourself up, you've committed suicide. That's an immoral act. But if you jump on a grenade, even though you know you're going to die, but you're doing it with the intent to save like all the other guys around you in the trench even though you know the secondary cause of does that fit into the principle of the integral theory? it probably could so the yeah. object in in the first in you know intentional suicide is the object is laying down your life 
or you could say it that way, you're taking your own life. The intent is, you know, to end your life, to end your life. for, you know, because of X suffering or something or... Because I can't grow a ponytail. Okay, go on. Yeah, but, but I guess the... The intent in the second one is to protect others. No greater love hath a man than he should lay down his life for his friends. I like that example. So anyway, yeah. so Dan had asked in the email, he's like, how, what did Dan write in the email? How does this Yeah, great work? question. All right. So our listener friend, Dan. Dan, shout out. Shout our out to One Dan. listener. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. He wrote, he wrote into us and he said, I would be interested in learning more about your views on the Franciscan University of Steubenville book scandal, especially in relation to the principle of the integer, uh, in- integer what's the word again? Integral. Oh, integral. 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 Good. Okay. About which I am fairly uh, ignominous. Oh, wait, sorry. Ignorant. 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 Excuse me. Yeah. Spelling. <laughs> I'm only kidding, guys. Okay. I've heard it mentioned before by Father Ripperger, but it seems an application to be almost impossible. It seems they are saying that in order for a piece of media or art to be good, that everything within it must also be good. And this seems a ridiculous standard because our fallen nature necessarily means that descriptions of life and everything this encapsulates will contain flaws, sin, etc. Some of my favorite art, the most impactful really, contains things which might objectively be considered sinful, language, etc. Where does one draw the line? Perhaps I'm not understanding. First of all, shout out to Dan. Uh, Dan and I watched The Big Lebowski leading into finals. Speaking of the integral good. (laughs) So I think the question is, it basically sums down to where's the line in art? You're listening, you're watching. Where does the line draw? I don't even know. Matt, where does that, like, what's the line? Yeah. So uh, the book is really good. I, I actually do recommend it. It's pretty accessible. There's some technical language in it. But it, it's all defined and it just builds on what was already said. So he actually has, he goes into this whole discussion of how beauty, according to St. Thomas, it goes through a long discussion leading to this point. But beauty and like moral goodness are actually kind of, kind of two sides of the same coin because beauty points to truth. It points to things that are symmetrical. It has clarity. It has, you know, and, and it brings you to contemplation. But they're... It's it's a reflection of what is morally good. And so I I don't think you should beat yourself up thinking everything has to be good. Like I think there's a lot of neutral in in art. But if there is something that is intrinsically immoral, then yeah, we do have to avoid that. Um but again, it maybe maybe that's just, you know, it is kind of insulting to us so is that- to hear that, you know, it, it's not that, you know, something you like may not be good it's just neutral no but well now i forgot what i was going to say no so like is that grave though if there's something of if there's something immoral so to me that means like if something uh isn't you cannot to to simulate it is to do the act and Mm -hmm. then they do those certain acts blasphemy yeah nudity then you you just is it grave like you can't watch that well yeah so i don't know what dan is talking about here but uh, yeah there certainly there's some art that is immoral yeah. i mean that we don't really have to stretch our imaginations that much to think of what that might be yeah. um you know people and i don't know why we always try to um 
make excuses for or things find, like, that the lo- the line like what's the lowest yeah I can, what's the lowest I can God do? what's and I'm not I'm what's, not accusing Dan of this but that seems to be a lot of the questions online what's the least I can love you but still say I love you to get to heaven yeah yeah like yeah. Wait, talk yeah, about like how how right close there, right? to how close to offending you can I go without offending you yeah yeah but it, it's uh, yeah and that's a no- I would say that's a normal like it's a human thing yeah. but it's not a like it it's I, it's what somebody who's younger in the spiritual life mm-hmm. perhaps would do. Somebody who is more advanced in the spiritual life is is fleeing yeah. from sin. Is like fleeing from know, any imperfection, even not yeah. just it's So they've purged the immoral. Now that they even want to purge the neutral, yeah. or yeah, you know something that doesn't immediately point to God, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's hardcore. I mean, it's, it's, but again, the call of the gospel, it's a radical call, mm-hmm. you know, like the story of the, the rich young man or whatever that Be comes perfect, to Jesus like, and says to him, perfect. yeah, but like, and our Lord tells us that it's possible to be perfect. Like your heavenly father is perfect. It's possible to stop sinning. Yeah. Like you may not be at the stage of the transforming union at that point, Yeah, but it's not, po- not everybody can be a Carmelite. <laughs> Exactly. But look at the, look at something like music. And I, I thought that was actually what was really revealing in that book that it talks about how the wait, arts... Wait, 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 stop. Is Chris... What's what's the intent of Chris's Carmelite-ness? Like, is there a defective yeah. intent there? Oh. Are you only a Carmelite so you can rub it in everyone else's face? Are you Gnostic? Yes. You yes, know, that's interesting. Go so on. we talked about acts that are moral and immoral, but there are also acts that are partly moral. So, um, if <laughs> if sounds like if, Chris to a if there's an impurity yeah, of intention, so oh, say like say thing. you're yeah. publicly praying to it, that that can be edifying to others. Hail Mary, full of grace. Yeah, no. So, but if part of your intention is also to receive, you know, a good reputation, yeah. you may be edifying others, but that intent to, you know, look good in the eyes of others, actually just makes it a partly moral act. Yeah, it, taint, it taints it. Or if there's some minor evil in the circumstance that doesn't actually totally transform the act. So an, an example of that could be being distracted in prayer. So that is just a partly moral act yet again. And yeah. so the saints try to purge all that. Yeah. So they have truly moral acts. They're perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, the thing that I thought was interesting is the way, you know, Father Ripper and well, St. Thomas talks about how, you know, the fine arts arts but particularly music it, it's something that enters our imagination and so in that sense we can we can actually you know derive pleasure from that some sort of delight or pleasure mm-hmm. um but when you think about that like there's there's something outside of you that's actually entering into a faculty of your soul mm-hmm. and rising up this pleasurable reaction so that's that's something you can get attached to yeah so you really have to examine yourself and be brutally honest with yourself like why am i listening to this if it's if it if it doesn't raise me to contemplation of God, you know maybe it's something that I either have to limit because you know it's effeminate to be attached to that pleasure, yeah. or just you know cut it out of my life completely, and that that can be really hard. It took me a while to give up. I was saying to Chris like Led Zeppelin and Pearl Jam, like those are. It's it's thinking back. It it's not hard to not listen to them now, but. It was at the time. I had a lot of money invested in their albums, and I really enjoyed it. But it's not—that's not music that's going to get me to heaven. Yeah. And I'm not saying I can think of music that 
will necessarily get me to heaven, but I'm really enjoying chanting with you guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, and and it's very interesting. Like we've been uh, in our Carmelite community, and again, I'm not rubbing it in Aaron, but if your if your conscience is pricking you a little bit, you know, maybe you should start, you know, asking if the Holy Spirit asking you to come to Carmel. Come join us, Aaron. <laughs> but anyway, um, off topic. So yeah, the the thing about Saint John of the Cross is he he talks about joy in uh, sensory goods and the fact that we can take joy in things like music, food and beverage, hanging out with Aaron, doing things like that. But the thing is, if we become so attached to them that they are, well, if we just become attached to them in general and they kind of have that ability to control us, we have to be able to say no, you know, and, and it's actually, you know, even talking about more extreme, say John of the Cross would essentially kind of say that if you're, if you're starting to even like, uh, if you're listening to listening to like Gregorian chant, or you know something like that, and you're and you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish I was that cantor, I wish I was as good as as Vox Cantoris and and his uh, ability to chant. I wish I was. I wish I could do a mass every week and just do it like a pro every time start getting into that mindset um that that is a sign that you're attached to to something mm, even if it's gregorian chant the even highest the highest chants. form of music yeah so i mean so, so what even happens with lower forms of music then right right and you should be able to let that go <laughs> <laughs> they have been you guys have okay. been waiting to razz me about music I, and, you I'm, know, and i'm waiting i want to have a serious talk let's okay. can we actually talk and now, yeah. don't look at me because I don't know anything about it. Matt okay. and Chris, go music. Which, okay, fine. Well, is there any objectively wrong music to listen to? Yeah. E- even if yes. Okay, even if it doesn't have blasphemy in it, even if it's yeah. Okay, then what? What? Like again, if it's if it's not raising your mind and your heart to God, if it does not have that ability to make you stop and, and adore God or to uh, you know make you contemplate perhaps the beauty of creation and how god has moved or you know appreciate some some facet of god get rid of it we have to be careful there though because the whole time saint thomas is talking about this he doesn't talk like it's not based on personal experience or personal likes or dislikes like beauty as a reflection of god is an objective standard I mean, there, there are certain things that are more in line with the nature of God and a reflection of him and certain things that aren't. Because, I mean, you, you can go to an art gallery and it's just a white canvas and that's, that's not art. But you can find people there standing before it talking about how, oh, this makes me think of the bleakness of the period <laughs> of life that the artist was in. And, you know, it makes me think about how we have to strive for higher things. And, you know, those people could convince themselves that that is beautiful because it, you know, they could say it's raising their mind to higher ideals, but that that's not art. That's not beautiful, according to St. Thomas, which is an objective. He says it's an objective thing. And again, that, that's gone into in the principle of the integral good. So we, we have to be careful that we're not just using our personal likes and dislikes. Okay, so we're not stabbing Chris in the back anymore. We're, we're What we're talking about right now is Christian metal, just so everyone can know. We're, we're no longer stabbing Chris in the back. We're going to punch him in the face. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know. Am I neutral? I have a certain, I 
I Christian metal. I don't. I don't know. I don't like. I don't, I don't think Christian metal. I I guess it's. I don't think it's evil, but like all things in this life, like Christian fasting, like fine art, like architecture, music has gone through a period of decay, and from the heights of the, you know, Middle Ages, maybe into the Baroque, some people will argue, music as an art form has decayed, and I mean it. It, it, especially if you look at it on a mass scale, like why are why did rock and roll come about? It wasn't people raising their minds to God. It was people who no. wanted to, you know, they they loved the energizing effect of you sex, know the sex, rhythm. Drugs and rock and roll. Yeah, and it, it's not accidental that those all went together. Um, I'm not saying you you can't adapt that art form to a better purpose, but I am saying you're working with something that's fallen away from the ideal at that point. Chris, how do you feel about that? I, I would agree that, that there has been a decay in music. Um, I would encourage for a more thorough examination, um, since you bring up St. Thomas Aquinas, um, Catholic, the Catholic... He was a Dominican. He was. I'm, so I'm going to bring up another... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring up another Dominican oh, um, ooh, by the name of Father Basil Cole. Mm-hmm. Um if you're familiar with uh, catholicculture.org, have you been to that website? I think I've seen the URL. I don't. Yeah, they're they're great. I like those guys. Um, so Thomas Mirius uh, has a podcast. He's interviewed Father Basil Cole twice on this topic. I encourage people to go check that out. Um, but they've actually uploaded Father Basil Cole's thesis, which is the moral and psychological effects of music, a theological appraisal. I'll just say, go read it. You know, I think I am not smart enough. You're too smug to defend your own opinion. Is that what you're saying? No, I just don't feel I have enough. I don't have the authority here to tell you Mm -hmm. what is right and what is wrong with regards to what you're listening to. I will tell you from my experience. Just hold on one sec. One sec, Aaron. I would say this. When I was was younger, um, my spiritual director made it very clear to me. He said, I will tell you right now that music is going to be an, a very important thing in your spiritual life going forward. And he said, I want you to always ensure that music has a place because that's that's a place where God speaks to you. And so um, for me, that has been the case. And I, and I have, I can point to the impact that Christian metal and that scene has had on me. I understand personally that there are certainly questionable characters and obviously Protestantism itself is a, is a heresy in itself. Okay. But I would take the Protestants talking about our Lord in a basic sense over things like Metallica or Slipknot or things that are more of an angry, you know, even, even to toss you a bone here, I just forced Chris and Julie to listen to the Dubliners, and there's nothing that points you towards God and the Dubliners at all. It's, no, they're neutral at best. They're neutral at best. They yeah, talk about drunkenness, yeah, they not, yeah. So, how is that good? No, so, it's a neutral at best. That's why, very I'm, moral. that's why I'm saying, like, we've been talking about this podcast kind of on and off for a little bit, or music, and yeah, Christian metal could be better than the Dubliners. I could see that. It's it's scary, too, to have to think that your intent has so much to do with it. And 
Maybe yeah. I'll just have to not sing the doublers anymore. Well, which... here's here's the thing. I've sat in a bar and in the midst of a scene of kids that, you know, belong at that bar, we'll say. And I've seen a band get on stage and preach to them to convert, to leave their lives of 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 sin and debauchery and all what, of that. And what genre of music was this? This was metal. This was metal. That's you know, and oh, not yeah. and again, not that I agree with like the one saved always saved or whatever ideology uh, heresy of Protestantism, but the fact that I was in a bar in the basement of this bar and there was a guy that. who just had the courage to say, you know what, guys, I've been yeah. where you are. It leads nowhere. It leads nowhere. But then you've got people like Tim, I can't remember, McTag- no, I can't remember what his last name is, but Tim from the band As I Lay Dying. He would say, especially back in the day, that they were a Christian metal band. The guy wasn't Christian. He had abandoned his, his faith long ago and actually had a, a hit put out mm. on his wife or ex-wife. Really? Yeah, and he That's ended exciting. up having to go to jail for mm. it and all this stuff. So, mm. I mean, and then it was like, I thought you were a Christian. He's like, no, I haven't been a Christian for, for years. And, you know, like, so, I mean, in the scene, there are certainly very questionable characters mm. You know, you, you, Matt, were talking about Under Oath mm-hmm. or, you know, the fact that you listened to Under Oath. I mean, they were technically a Christian band back in the day. But I mean, like um, the the lead singer, the current lead singer of Under Oath, I mean, he has no problem admitting that he is a full on, you know, drug user and whatnot and that he doesn't believe in Christianity anymore. And partly in due in part to the treatment he received from Christians. Um, but I'll, I think we're coming at this still from different angles. Like, can it be used well? I think so. But is it? A, it a, has fallen further from the objective standard of beauty laid out by Saint. Thomas. I would. Agree, I would agree with that. And so, yeah, I, I don't think we disagree. Hey, I still I enjoy listening to the Dubliners too. I probably shouldn't. And actually, that's what you know. Father Ripker says: if you're attached to something, does it hurt to have it taken away? Probably a little bit, but and so. Maybe yeah. I should have it. Yeah. Take Tell me, ma, when I go home. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Like a couple of years ago, I had heard a talk uh, about Lent and like essentially go for the thing that hurts the most. And mm. and for years, I had always thought maybe I'll give up music for Lent. And I had always said, no way. I love it too much. I need it too much. Um. And a couple, couple years ago, I said, you know what? Screw that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just give it. And honestly, it did impact my spiritual life because I came back after Lent and I was like, I don't need this. <laughs> Isn't it funny on the you other know? side? Yeah. So, I mean, but again, I did see, I was able to, in essence, appreciate it more in a different way. Kind of like fasting makes you appreciate food mm-hmm. more. Whoops makes you appreciate food more so like it was one of those things where i was able to kind of say okay well like this is still good you know but it's not something i need because it's in the words of saint john of the cross right it's still not god yeah i mean it may it may be something even catholic or beautiful 
still not God. You know, it's very interesting talking about, uh, we were talking about the, the fascination that the world has right now with Marie Kondo and this idea of like, she's a weirdo minimum pardon she's a weirdo yeah she's crazy but the the whole idea of this minimalism or whatever you know i mean it's this kind of weird idea that you know you you can have way too much stuff but at the end of at the end of marie kondo's i guess ideology is that you should keep the things that you're attached to most Mm -hmm. right it's you just need to get rid of those things in your life that don't spark joy, you know. But like, and the, the ultimately they're attached to that ideology as well, right? You're not yeah. giving; they're not giving it up to give glory to God. No. They're they're giving it up because it's nice to have a clean countertop, and it's yeah. nice to have an organized closet. I mean, this lady's insane. She she talks about organizing your closet from shortest to longest garments, and don't ball up your socks because it hurts their feelings. Like she actually, and when you yeah. throw out clothing, thank it for that, its service that it gave to you. That's I mean, right. Yeah. Or if you have a stack of books before you start going through them, you have to tap each stack mm-hmm. to wake them up. Wake them up. Yeah. yeah. And she has to greet the house when she comes in. So she does. Right. This is this is the lady on the Catholic meme that you posted on Facebook. That's right. This, this, yeah, this, this sparks, me, this sparks joy. It's funny. Yeah. You can even get attached to Memes. being superficially unattached to things. Hey, even in... Again, bring her up again. Saint Gemma, she was attached to a relic, right? Yep. And so she she saw that in her life, and she she threw it away. Yeah. yeah. Well, or gave it away, maybe. Okay, but, I, but like she she threw it away, like out of her life. It was just mm-hmm. all gone. Yeah. It was like a sudden thing, like Saint Thomas Aquinas running after that prostitute with a flaming log. She's like, I don't want that. Get out of this room. Yeah. I love. So that. ultimately, I mean, we either do it now or we do it in purgatory. A lot less painful now. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you I was I was actually talking with a Carmelite friend of mine and I bet that the fact that Marie Kondo's essentially her ideology ends where Saint John of the Cross pe- begins, hmm. right? Because the way She's of, Dominican and in <laughs> No, 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 but like the idea that you know, detachment requires a lot more than just letting go of things. It's it's a mo- it's a thing of the heart, right? And hmm. and like you have to actually be aware that you're attached to these things and the fact that like one of the biggest i don't know if you know what this struggle is like but i do i have this struggle with catholic hoarding so Uh. the idea like this sparks joy or whatever i think we add a spiritual element to catholic goods so Mm -hmm. like well we may have a million and one catholic books but we're like oh this book's amazing I haven't read it yet, but it's by a saint that I hallow. And it's I a should, really nice old copy. You know, it's a really nice yeah. old copy. Or I have this this statue of Our Lady. Yeah, I have 12 others. You know? <laughs> um, and you guys know I've got a lot of statues in this house. Um, but you, but have, you have to examine it? why you're doing it too, right? Like right. it might make sense to have a lot of books and statues if you have a big family. So, yeah. you know, they learn the faith. But yeah, that's what again. It comes down to being brutally honest with yourself why you're doing this stuff. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's really easy to lie to yourself. A lot of people, yeah, can't be brutally honest with themselves. And that again, that's why they need good buds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was it, I talked about how it's it's kind of kind of scary thinking how things enter into a faculty of your soul. Like music enters your imagination and gives mm-hmm. pleasure, but when you when you lie to yourself and keep presenting something as good. 
because it gives you pleasure, even though you know it's not good. Eventually, I mean, that does violence to those faculties of your soul. Yeah. And eventually it, it kind of fuzzies things up in your mind. It warps and, things, yeah. Yeah, and you convince yourself that it is good. I mean, he talks, Father Ripker talks about this is the phenomenon, how people have convinced themselves that fornication is is an, is a good. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, can, you can deaden yourself to think, or you can do enough violence to your will and intellect to think that anything is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think that's very true. The question I guess I I run into, right, is and I I think it is a fine line and it's almost a case by case, but like you know how like St. Paul says be all things to all men. You know, when I was at Franciscan, you know, Dr. Polly would come into catechetics class and he would say, "In this life you have to have two books in your hand in one hand you have the scriptures in the other hand you have the newspaper that's how you go out into the world you know and and so there's always been this kind of understanding that you have to be relevant or up to speed on everything or do good podcasts (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's not something that we do (laughs) but um but do you know what i mean like there's that there's that question of like how do you still remain relatable in the world I, if you don't know anything of what's going on? I, the, you know what I mean? I I dis, I kind of reject that completely. And I only think just because I don't know exactly what you're getting at, but... Tell me more. Uh, what, the integral good says that we just need... <laughs> integral. To, inter, in, in, yeah, d- beautiful things. We have Mary. You don't need anything else. You ha- We have beauty... People don't care about the world. That's what we learned in the caliphate, right? Like these people, like maybe people will say they care about the world or they want you to, they want you to pretend you care about some crap that just is stupid. But like the thing the Catholic faith has is truth and beauty. And even if people like come in kicking and screaming, they love it. Mary, our Lord, hard truths, you know. Smooth talking men like Father (laughs) 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 So like that's our relevance. The truth. The truth is always relevant. I I don't like the newspapers. I used to get newspapers. I think they're stupid. And also there's a lot of things that are wrong with the newspapers. Chesterton writes a lot of good things about newspapers. Uh, But, you know, so. But that means that he had already an understanding that they existed. Well, he wrote for newspapers. So he kind of was on the inside saying there I don't, and newspapers are very different than now but just newspapers are just propaganda now that's you know like but yeah like i guess what i'm saying is like you know and i think this is what dan is asking coming back to his question i love dan how far <laughs> so do i how far is too far and to, to reject everything or to, to reject everything i mean because at the end of the day he's right in part that there are things out there generally speaking that like you can't turn on easily turn on something like Netflix and find something that's easy to watch you know and one of the most hard and convicting things for me i think it was that particular talk on the principle of the integral good or something of that in that same vein by father ripperger but where he was talking about the idea of blasphemy and he's like you know if you are listening to blasphemy like on a TV show, music, whatever, talk show, like if it comes up, turn it off. You know, um, if you know it's going to be in there, just don't watch it. But 
if you don't know, you know, it's you know kind of like what uh, we were talking about with the idea of Dr. Stephen Lewis. You know, if you don't know it's in there and you're just kind of walking in blind, like, oh, what's this show about? You know, and you hear it. Okay. Oh, crap. Like they're blaspheming our Lord. Turn that crap off because, and you know, A, it is a crazy offense against our Lord, but B, it, it impacts our soul, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The more you're exposed to that, I mean, especially maybe not in the case of blasphemy, although you can get, you can deaden your sense of the gravity of that. But even like, think about things a little more subtle. So like in movies, when they have immoral characters, but they kind of display them in a sympathetic light and you start to kind of excuse their moral failings and yeah that can that can be really dangerous to a society i think that has happened to society on a large scale too i want to like what your your question though and what you think dan was saying was how far is too far like you have to remain like like uh, open to people in the world you can't just reject it right is that what your kind of question was essentially is how how can we as catholics in the world still remain relevant to people in the world you know I'd be able to speak their language be able to speak and be like saint paul says like all things to all men okay. without knowing the world i think short answer innocent as doves shrewd has serpents but like okay this is kind of out of the blue but you know what's so attractive about mennonite girls they're not in the world you know you're just driving down that back road to tilsonburg and you're like man i wish i didn't know what town like she just like and I think that's what we need. I and like or Father Mark Goring, like he's so he's so innocent, you know. Like he he like he doesn't pronounce words the right way. He didn't know what social justice warriors meant. Like that. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't personally think we need to be relevant to the world. To well, in that in a worldly sense, does like I don't. Does that you know? Like we have the truth. Like what more do you need? You we have the world in a little bubble. We got it. Come on in, right? Like people, you don't think that's good enough? Like I know. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm not saying like. I can, um, I'm not, like, you don't like walk out and be like, this music's stupid. I'm leaving you. I, I just think we have to exercise prudence, but I don't really think we, we can be innocent and we just need to not know stuff. Yeah. And, uh, that, I don't know, but you don't, is that good enough? I don't, I don't know. Like, like for me, I feel like it's always going to be an insufficient answer in light of if, if we don't necessarily see in front of us the goal or what we're doing it for you know if we just kind of have this idea of of this lifeless moral rigorism without without an intended end which is god but isn't without well, his but without like contemplatives isn't this something carmelite like there's a lot of carmelites who probably didn't have any interaction with the world and they did oh, sure. some of the most good well they did amazing good you know and and they are the most human the more the most the most kind, the most caring, the most, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it is a difficult call. Being a Catholic Mm. is a tough thing. Man up. Little little shoulder rub over here. (laughs) No, I'm just, that's all I'm saying is like, it's a radical call. The call of the gospel is to, Lay down your life, pick up your cross, and follow our Lord. And that's not an easy thing. And that does mean cutting off things that 
causes you to sin. Sorry, Dan, you got to get rid of Netflix. That's basically what we're saying. <laughs> I mean, uh, some of these things are the modern equivalent of that pinch of incense that the early Christians just were not willing to do. They 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 died for that. I mean, I'll I'll put up with a little bit of boredom to get rid of supporting immoral things. Why 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 wouldn't we be willing yeah, to do like that? Or like the Japanese martyrs wouldn't step on images of our Lord and they would die a martyrdom or and but we're reading books about Mary like this. Yeah. You know, like we need to get over ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. No, I I don't know. Like if but at, at the same time I want to be honest and real and say I'm not perfect. I recognize that there are weaknesses in myself, ways in which I have made and still tend to make concessions um, for things that I shouldn't. Like, like I was watching that Jack Ryan show on Amazon Prime and like realizing, oh, wow, like that guy just blasphemed. But I really like John Krasinski from The Office. <laughs> like, I yeah. love Jim. You know, and and it and it was literally like I'm just gonna sit through this and hope that they don't do it again. And I I don't know if if you ever you can almost put money on this if you ever hear somebody use the the holy name of our Lord in a movie a TV show whatever you are guaranteed to probably hear it again mm-hmm. because if they have become so flippant with his name they'll use it at any turn and I think that's. I think there's something to be said about that too. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I just think that, you know, again, I'm weak. I understand that I have struggles and ways that I allow or I'm effeminate. And I, you know, say a colleague drops the holy name of Jesus, you know, um, like, yeah. Like, I don't go up and be like, bro, stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You know, and that's... we. we like, uh, and then going back to Father Ripperker's talk, the problem with trads, I am also weak, and like, you can't pry me out of bed in the morning to do my mental prayer. So, like, on what authority should I go to Chris and be like, "Oh, Chris, metal music"? You know, like, I think that's where our prudence needs to come in. Like, if these aren't like actual sins, we need to just kind of chill our tits a little bit, right? Like, just like you know what, we're all wretched sinners. We all want to be perfect, and we're all going that way, but like like trads a lot of us need to just be like okay unless you know unless you've fully defeated vice you really shouldn't be unless it's grave correcting others especially all the time so and and i hear you chris little shoulder rub over another (laughs) before we move off (laughs) integral good because we're probably getting closer than the podcast yeah i just want to make a distinction that you know looking at object intent and circumstances this is not the same as situation ethics so situation ethics, the norm in that system, like this may have come up in some people's minds, is the norm of love. And so And not, as, not carry toss, no. But as, like, but as long as their concept of love is achieved, then they can actually justify evil objects. I so, don't even understand that. You have to explain yeah, this more. So a situation ethicist may say that adultery can be justified because it increases love in the world. <laughs> and you know, this is a more slight tease, yeah, as oh, far as I'm concerned. Can you give, like, a more, like, less serious example of it? Like, you know, like, I know adultery, everyone... So, a, a situation ethicist is all... They're, they're also usually pacifist. War can never be justified because that decreases love in the world. So, they, it's this strange system where 
their their end object is one thing that sounds good, but in the end they can use the ends justifies the means. Okay. So I just want people like you know you don't look at this. It's not pure subjectivism that you know there are objective acts, objective intent, and objective circumstances. I just wanted to make that clarification. Yeah. Thank um, you, Doctor. Thanks, sir. <laughs> hey, do you want to quickly throw a truth bomb at Chris? I don't. I didn't like the truth bomb. Oh. I can try. Let's try. We can just try. So, so this is from another listener. No. No. no? Okay. Me and Matt were hanging out in front of my fire, my parents' fire, okay. and. So when I'm walking from my kitchen to the fireplace... Again, you guys, you were sitting by the fire. So so the last we time we hung you. out... We didn't invite you. <laughs> so the last time you guys went to see the moon, and now you guys are sitting by the fire together? Matt comes over to my house like three times, four times a week. Theology of the body. Yeah, and we talk about the podcast a lot. <laughs> um, so I'm walking from the kitchen into the fireplace, and I make the sign of the cross. Into the fireplace? Into the fireplace room. <laughs> and I make the sign of the cross over my drinks. Right, Matt, you have to help me like but, clear this up. But, but as he was moving, as I was moving, was the sign of the cross defigured, right? Because like I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I'm walking, so like as I'm a, making the cross, there's more of a like a, a, a sign of the four, a sign of the four. It's like kind of gets because, slurred along yeah, my walking yeah. pattern. And then Matt rightly said, "But wait, isn't the Earth moving? So like all signs of the cross are defigured, right? Yeah. So here's the truth bomb. As rigorists." As rigorists, we have come to the conclusion that the Earth is actually the center of the universe. And heliocentrism? Is that the word? Ge- geocentrism. Ge- oh, ge- geo world. Yeah, yeah, geocentrism. So, yeah, we just kind of... Must be true must in order for signs of the cross to be made properly. Yeah, so we just found that out. How do you D- feel about that truth bomb? Discuss. Discuss there. Um, we are the center of the universe. Yeah. Oh, well, he's talking about his Carmelite group. Oh, is this some Carmelite thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's no, totally it- Carmelite. It's no, pure. I, Did you, it's, oh, I mean, I get, I get the weird. Do you like that? I know. It, I thought the truth bomb was a little kind of weird. Yeah. No, nah, Aaron brought it up more as a joke. He's like, "Look, I didn't make the sound of the cross because I was like, moving." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but there are people who think, and I'm slightly sympathetic to geocentrism. By the way, just throwing that out there. But yeah, there are people who are like set on it. So, did you know that? That that people think that the Earth is the center of the universe. Catholics. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. And neat. Do we even know what the center of the universe is scientifically? Well, that just means like the Earth isn't moving, right? Like the, so that the Earth isn't moving. Like it's. Oh. You didn't know that? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. All right. We should cut this truth, truth bomb. bomb. Do it. <laughs> truth, 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 truth bomb. <laughs> <laughs> that, did you know? You didn't know that? We, th- we yeah. thought you'd be offended by our rigorism. Oh, we thought. That's it, why we brought it up. I just I thought my rigorism was funny how, like, I'm moving and making, oh, that's not the real side of the cross. There's no, never mind. I had another truth that's, bomb in That mind. seems very Justin-esque. Isn't it? Except Justin is very not geocentric. No, but it would be, like, something that he would think about, though. He'd be I, like, if people thought this, then this would be this. Yeah, shout out to Justin. If shout out to Justin, we uh, huge shout out to Justin. We just we can't in take, incorporate the truth bombs because they're so full of truth and complex, but simple at the same time. I don't know how he does it. We just can't get him in there. Like they're too. I can't handle it. So but we do I, read them. We do read yeah. them. 
So yeah, thanks to also to Justin for sending in your truth problems. If you have any truth problems, you can send those to theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. Thank you. Hey, did anyone send in pictures of the churching of women? Nobody has sent in. Your money's safe in your pocket. Well, I'm willing and wanting to spend that money if someone will just send in a freaking picture. It has to be fairly recent. I'd say within the last year, maybe two. I might take like five bucks off if it's two years old. But <laughs> Hey, I've got a question. Will you accept Eastern Rite? Oh, do they have, do they have a wait. fancy Greek name for Churching of Women? Yeah, they just they call it the Churching of Women. I don't know what, do what it is in the Greek. But yeah, I saw don't. it on one of the Byzantine right Facebook groups I'm in. Do they like instead of I, putting, jo- I was able to join because of my on, ponytail. I was that's what I was instead of putting the stole on the woman, like they put the ponytail on the woman. Is that how that <laughs> or the ta- the trail of his beard? Sounds like a tooth bomb. All right, we're done. No, 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 no. Let's just say it one more time. Yes. Tooth bomb. When this when this podcast goes live, hopefully, hopefully we won't have had any audio issues, secondary audio issues with Father or with Deacon Mark Dugabar. So hopefully you've heard that, and huge thanks to him. In the past, we're recording this on the third. So, yeah, huge thanks to re-recording that. I hope everybody enjoyed that podcast. If you guys have any questions or concerns, make sure you send it to us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook because we're actually having fun. We're actually doing Facebook Lives. No. We are. You should watch them. They're, yeah. They're funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll sing more. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It'll be great. Um... Thanks again so much for hanging. Oh, you're welcome. It's been great times. Do you guys have any uh, final jokes to share with the folks? Uh, No, do you? I assume you better because you're saying Mm. this right now. No, I have no question. I've got no jokes. How do you you make a tissue dance? I don't know. How? You put a little boogie in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I have a question to ask. Au lieu de la bombe de la vérité? Oui. Okay. So, as we are approaching the, is it the traditional feast of St. Valentine? Of course. I wanted to ask all the single men here at the table, like, do you guys, do you guys get a little, I don't know, like, do you get super lonely on Valentine's Day? No, because our vision is not clouded and we can properly celebrate the feast of such a great bishop. Correct. We're not, we're not driven by carnal desires yes. of all you married, quote unquote, folk. That's right. Air quote. He just, did you Watch just you air mirror. quote my marriage? Watch out. Julie's right here. His Nebuchadnezzar is standing right there. <laughs> you guys are okay yeah, close because enough. you have each other. Marriage, quote unquote. No, I think I think Saint Valentine is horrified by what has happened to his feast day. Yeah, it was like like Saint Patrick too. I mean, Saint, can yeah. you imagine what Saint Patrick thinks? Oh, he'd be preaching to Ireland. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people going to hell. Hey, what are you guys doing on Valentine's Day? Yeah, Saint probably, Valentine's Day. Probably each other. Boink. <laughs> okay, hey, read you that question. <laughs> what are you guys doing on Valentine's Day? Yeah, maybe potentially Dungeons and Dragons. Your Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. You know, I'm glad I'm single. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Follow us on Stitcher Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. 
We really want to know your thoughts on the topics discussed during today's podcast, as well as your questions and topics you'd like us to explore in the future. So please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Theology of the Buddy and come hang out with us. Please follow and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play to keep up on the great conversations with new episodes coming every Wednesday. We would also love if you would rate us on iTunes if you have not done so already. It'd really help us out. Next week, Chris will be interviewing Jessica McCormick from Studio Laudate, discussing her story and the importance of chapel veiling for women. Until then, stay tratty!